and welcome to Crosstalk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter Lavelle. The Hamas attack on Israel from Gaza highlights still again the plight of Palestinians living under conditions of blockade. Hamas calls themselves resistant fighters, while, of course, Washington calls them terrorists. Also, will the EU adopt Ukraine in lieu of diminishing American aid? To discuss these issues and more, I'm joined by my guest, Martin Jay in Marrakesh. He's an award-winning journalist and commentator. And in Budapest, we cross the George Samueli. He's a podcaster at The Gaggle, which can be found on YouTube and Locals. All right, gentlemen, crosstalk rules in effect. That means you can jump anytime you want, and I always appreciate it. All right, let's start out with George in Budapest. Um, we have a, a crisis uh, uh, again um, in the Palestine-Israel conflict. Um, it's a moving story. Hamas has uh, had a major incursion, something that we've never seen before. Massive uh, missile attacks, up to 5,000 projectiles, according to some in the first 20 minutes. And then a land incursion using um, 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 parachutes and all, all whatnot. So it's very innovative here. And of course, we know it, how Israel is going to respond to this overwhelmingly. Um, but you know, what is the antecedents to this particular crisis, George? Because from, from in my thinking is, is this growing normalization of uh, Israeli um, relations with Arab countries, which of course these Arab countries are uh, are forgetting the Palestinian cause, and it looks like to me at least ha ha Hamas is reminding them that they're still there. There's a lot of other issues in play right here, but I think that is the most important issue uh, at hand right now, George. I agree with you, Peter. I think that the the, the most immediate uh, cause of this um, explosion is this. Um, Biden administration attempt to expand the Abraham Accords and to normalize relations uh, between Israel and Saudi Arabia, uh, going together with some sort of an, an American security guarantee uh, for Saudi Arabia. Um, I mean, obviously, it's also the 50-year anniversary of the Yom Kippur attack, almost exactly to the day. Um, but I think it's also you know, a, a deeper issue, which is there hasn't been any kind of a movement towards Middle East peace settlement. I mean, there used to be uh, proposals uh, put forward by Western powers. It's about every president. It's yeah, about every president. president you know, with, you know, remembering the days of you know the, the Nixon administration, the Rogers Plan, and then of course it all culminated in the Oslo Accords, which is now thirty years ago. And so for thirty years, basically, no one has done anything. I mean, it's and, and basically they, they've known this problem that this problem is festering. There has been no solution. You know, I think as Bashar al-Assad said many, many years ago, each new generation of Palestinian hates the Israelis more than the previous generation. And I think that, that the idea that you could just simply continue like this without any negotiations, without any kind of a peace conference, without any peace plan was always ridiculous. And, and it culminated in this absurd statement issued by the Biden National Security Council saying this was an unprovoked attack. So it's, Here we go. You know, and there's the parallel between Ukraine, unprovoked, out of the blue. You know, just you know, there everyone was living peacefully, and suddenly this was an unprovoked attack. Well, of course it was provoked, and it's a, the provocation is 30 years of doing absolutely nothing, and uh, and this allowing the Palestinians essentially to be you know crushed out of existence. 
Yeah, well, I think the only the only parallel when we go back to your, the phrase unprovoked is that the West didn't recognize the self-determination of the people of Donbass is they don't re recognize the self-determination rights of the Palestinians. Martin, you're in the region here. What are your, uh, what's your initial reaction? Because I guess we all hope and pray that this will be over as destructive and bloody as it's going to be, and it will be. Hopefully it will be soon. Go ahead, Martin. Yeah, I think the feeling is um, from an awful lot of Arabs is um, it, th th this was coming. This was inevitable. It was just a question of when, you know. And uh, George mentions no one in the West um, did anything for 30 years. I think if you look at what the West did or didn't do in the last couple of years, which was condemn the acceleration of Israel's human rights abuses, the land grabs, the assassinations, um, the dehumanization of the Palestinians, you know, which has really picked up in the last two or three years. I mean, just this year alone, I think the record's been broken for the number of Palestinians that have been murdered. Um, we saw nothing at all from the European Union. Um, in, 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 if anything, we saw a tacit encouragement from the EU and from the West in, in general to, to go ahead with what you're doing, do whatever you need to do to resolve this problem, you know, because you're never going to receive the human rights opprobrium from us. And I think leaders like Netanyahu took that from really what it was worth and, uh, and ran with it. And now, you know, the consequences are horrific. I, I don't think this, this is ever going to end. I mean, you talk about it ending in a, in a couple of days' time. Israel will create some sort of security in Gaza. It will move in in a, in a big way, and it will go back to the 2005 period of taking total military occupation. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. Well, because you, you know what I mean. We have these, you know, it's mowing the grass, as they like to cynically say here. And, that, and that's the, the phase that I'm looking at. George, uh, as we speak here, there are reports that Hezbollah has entered the fray, if only in a minor way, with some missile attacks on uh, in, uh, in northern Israel. Um, is this a possibility where this is what Hamas was looking for? I mean, you know, to br bring in other uh, actors um, to, to just basically make a point here, just what Martin was saying here is that, and you were saying is that this has been festering and we have all of, all through this gentlemen is that we have a radically right-wing government in, in, in Israel. Go ahead, George. I, I think it's quite possible that that was the plan to get um, Hezbollah involved. I mean, so what happened back in uh, 2006, um, Iran, obviously, which is uh, strongly uh, in Hezbollah's corner, Iran has been very unhappy about this um, um, U.S.-Saudi uh, plan, and particularly the, the whole idea of Saudi Arabia recognizing Israel. I mean, that would be a, a huge... Uh, transformation uh, in in the Middle East, and and particularly as Iran has just taken the step of normalizing relations with um, Saudi Arabia, um, and Saudi Arabia having just been invited into BRICS. I mean, this so I was the Iranians really would be very unhappy with this. So I think it's quite likely that um, Hezbollah would uh, get involved, and. Um, the, yeah, I, I think this could be quite a uh, a big, serious uh, uh, conflict. And again, I mean, it's it's it comes down to you know you you just can't go on doing what Israel was doing. It, it was it's not sustainable. I mean, should I mean it's common sense. This is not a sustainable uh, solution. Just the idea that well, we can go on doing it because we've got the Americans in our corner and we can just treat you any way we want. Uh, you know, just you know, essentially just wipe you off the face of the earth. 
and that's it you know and and no 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 one's going to say boo about it um so i think this is a uh, you know a total failure of uh, western foreign policy um and i think it could well <laughs> head towards a very very serious uh, conflict yeah, but Martin, it's also a failure of Arab foreign policy, okay? I mean, we, we have, all of us look at all three of us our age. Yes, the Arab leaders have always talked about the, the Palestinian issue, but not many of them done have done very much about it. Let's be honest, okay? And this is, again, Hamas. At the risk of alienating their own people in the Gaza Strip, let's remember Israel's retribution is going to be overwhelming. But there, there are, uh, the, the, the Hamas leadership is appealing to the Arab world. I mean, you know, maybe your leaders can be bought off, okay? But don't forget about us. And I think that's the ploy right here. Hamas is reminding Saudi Arabia of its past commitments, uh, um, to the Palestinian cause? Well, it's a failure on many levels, not just really? um, the Arab countries, and even from Israel's perspective. I mean, I, I just wrote an article about a week ago um, talking about um, the increased arms sales that Israel is enjoying at the moment. You can forget about that now. I mean, how does Israel sell its high-tech uh, arms around the world when <laughs> you've got people lining up to say, well, it didn't even protect you against the Palestinians? You know, so how is it going to protect us against people who've got much more? Well, they, they, Netanyahu is calling it their Pearl Harbor, okay? And yeah. we know what the United States did as a reaction to Pearl Harbor. And Keep going. Also, and he also made that preposterous statement um, yesterday, uh, on sorry, on Saturday, um, saying it's now war. Well, you know, hello, wake up. <laughs> I think for an awful lot of people, it's been war for 75 years, you know. And it, it's just this bigoted mindset. And you can't really blame him when you look at Western media. You know, and 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 our Western leaders, our my own Prime Minister, didn't even lose a heartbeat in supporting the Israelis for their right to defend themselves. Amazing, absolutely amazing. I mean, where do you find these people? You know, well, it's there. There has been this news blackout. I, you know, I'm a journalist, so I've got a, a you know a, a, a big a, a, some an axe to grind against this, I suppose. But this news blackout for so long about what's been going on in Palestine. You know, just yesterday, uh, Christina and Mapor on CNN did an interview with the um, a Palestinian uh, deputy ambassador in London, and the six or seven minute interview just she just refused to acknowledge the occupation. It just was 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 something she wasn't going to be drawn on. You know, so I think it's a failure. On, on Israel's side, but when you talk about the Arab failure, definitely. Um, and I think this is part, it's not all of it, but it's part of the story of why the Palestinians, you know, something's broken, something's snapped. And what snapped, one part of their frustration is they've seen how they've been completely abandoned by the Western world, but even their Arab partners now are lining up. Well, while the Western world talks about uh, the rules-based order and Western values and Burrell Chronicles, George, I mean, the hypocrisy just stinks to heaven here. Go ahead. Well, exactly. And it's very interesting. I mean, what Marty was saying about the response in uh, Europe and how that has uh, changed just in the past, uh, you know, 30, 40 years. I mean, there used to be a distinct distinction between the way the Europeans approached the Middle East and the way the Americans did. I mean, the Americans, we always known, you know, wholeheartedly <laughs> pro-Israel, but the Europeans always had a very distinctive approach, which is, hey, there, this is a conflict. There are two sides to this conflict. Um, we need to uh, approach this as, as there are two sides, and there has to be a resolution that satisfies both sides. And obviously, in Britain. The two, yeah. the two, yeah, the two-state solution, which long preceded 
Oslo. I mean, that was in back in in the 1970s. I mean, that was the Europeans embraced that. I mean, that was the 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 global consensus, the two-state solution, which the Europeans and at that time the Soviet Union and much of the rest of the world said two-state. Now the Europeans are just essentially just parroting everything that the Americans are saying. I mean, there's just no... no well, I mean, what they've done is, what they've done is, is that, I mean, we look at uh, Jared Kushner, you know, the engineer of the Abraham Accords, the Palestinians don't exist. So if they don't exist, it's not a problem. Martin. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm just about to make that point before you cut me off last time, is that when we look at the oh. Abraham Accords, you know, it's the Abraham Accords are part of it. You know, the Abraham Accords are the final insult for the Palestinians, you know, who have grown up, generations have grown up, um, accepting that we have the right supportive narrative from a lot of these Arab countries, particularly in the Gulf states, but do they do anything? Do they really do anything? You know, and um, the Abraham Accords are this 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 final acknowledgement that not only are we not going to do anything, but we are going to line up and do deals with Israel. You know, to support ourselves and our own particular political agendas and sell the Palestinians down the road. You know, like they are just kind of redundant livestock or some sort of. Uh, well, they, they, this is what, and this is what, how we've gotten to this point here. Okay, they refuse to be forgotten, gentlemen. I'm going to jump in here. We're going to go to a short break, and after that short break, we'll continue our discussion on some real news. Thanks with RT. Welcome back to Crosstalk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter Lavelle. This is the home edition. To remind you, we're discussing some real news. All right, let's go back to uh, Martin and Marrakesh. Uh, you were talking about the Abraham Accords. Continue. So I think the big question now, and uh, I think this has been raised by Saudi Arabia, which was just about to sign the Abraham Accords, is... Uh, do they have anything left in? Is there any credibility at all now with the Abraham Accords? You know, does this latest um, escalation just blow the Abraham Accords out of the water? And do countries like Morocco, where I am now, you know, have to look at this whole relationship with Israel from a completely new uh, perspective? So I think in that respect, it's a disaster for um, Israel. But you touched briefly before on Hezbollah. The big question now, just briefly, is for Israel is not whether it can contain the the uh, an, uh, an uprising within Gaza. The question militarily is, can it sustain and contain that and also deal with an attack from southern Lebanon or from 
uh, uh, Syria, where Hezbollah have a, a, a huge amounts of military installations with very sophisticated rockets. Okay, well, and, and that, just to further your point here, if there's an ongoing conflict, particularly if uh, uh, Hezbollah uh, in Lebanon is drawn into it, uh, there's no Arab leader in the world that's going to be considering the Abraham Accords and, and normalizing relations with, with Israel. Right? You know, George, there seems to this, all through our lifetime, there's just been this obsession um, with uh, with uh, the Israel and 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 how to frame and characterize the Palestinian uh, um, element of that, which has been so totally skewed, uh, it's almost unrecognizable. I, before we convened here, I was telling you I was watching a number of podcasts. The the, the lack of knowledge about this conflict is extraordinary, George. Yes, that's right. Because of course, um, the media have done um, nothing at all to inform the public about the origins of the state of Israel and how did this come about? How you know you know who are the Palestinians? Where where did they come from? And um, and so that's why the the sum and substance of the media coverage is that well Israel is under attack. The terrorists are attacking Israel. Israel has a right to defend itself. We must uh, help a uh, sovereign state defend itself and so you know, that's it you know so the, the the palestinians are just simply wiped away from this uh, equation now it's very interesting what, what martin said about this israeli intelligence i mean it's, it's always been a, a fraud a giant fraud that's been perpetrated yeah. On, yeah. on the public that Israel has the finest intelligence awesome. in the world. Um, you know, we, we remember the Yom Kippur War, how they were able to mobilize and attack Israel on Yom Kippur. Well, what a surprise. Um, and Israel knew nothing at all about this. And uh, and, and again, you know, the apparently Israel, which had eyes everywhere, you know, they know exactly what's going on. They were completely caught by surprise uh, by this uh, attack. So where is this uh, of wanted intelligence? Well, of course, Israel doesn't have it. I mean, what Israel has is the United States in its corner, and it's very good at goading the United States to wage wars on its behalf. Israel hasn't been particularly good at waging wars. I mean, it was unable to defeat uh, Hezbollah in 2006, um, hasn't really won anything since the 1967 war, and, but, but it's very good at persuading the world that it's um, you know, omnipotent. And uh, and that of course does get us to the you know the question Ukraine, which is why has the Western powers been obsessing obsessing in this way, sending every all their hardware to Ukraine while they didn't even notice this, you know, which supposedly the Americans care so much about the Middle East right in front of them, and they were just simply you know caught you know well I, we thought it was all about Ukraine. So this this area of the world where uh, you know which America has traditional interests. Um, knew nothing at all about, but they're absolutely obsessed with what's going on in Ukraine, which, is, which yeah, has never well, been an, an area of American national interest. Yeah, but, yeah, only until 15 minutes ago, right? Okay. Well, that, that brings up that more in the question that we we have this uh, situation in the U.S. Congress. I don't want to go through the minutia here, but um, what's most important here <clears throat> is that questioning aid to Ukraine is a legitimate question now. That happened uh, through this um, speaker fight in, in the U.S. Congress, which is welcomed because the the ability to debate it publicly is finally caught up with public opinion because public opinion has been going in one direction steadily for the last at least seven or eight months now. And so you have the European Union saying, you know, we will continue, you know, whatever it takes, 
But then Burrell, our favorite here, is saying, but we can't do it with the healthy Americans. Okay, so (laughs) this has been generated by Washington and backed by London. And now Brussels is catching up with the fact that, well, maybe the the commitment from London and Washington isn't um, uh, politically viable. I mean, the the actors that are involved in this are gung-ho, totally in for it. But I mean... At a certain point, public opinion does matter, particularly in our age of social media. Go ahead, Martin. Yeah, public opinion, you know, which obsessed over this concept of occupation in Ukraine. Yeah. You know, how many, uh, people just lined up, you know, whether it was Western intelligence agencies or politicians or media, you know, people just went, just ranted on and on relentlessly from day one about this idea of Russian occupation. And yet those same people don't see Palestine yeah. and Israel in the, you know, there's a there's a sort of strange dichotomy of logic there. Um, but going back to um, this aid bundle, which has been thrown out, you know, it'll probably come back in. And, and I think um, Biden will probably push it. it. I don't think it'll be 24 billion. It may be a fraction. Oh, 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 the, the White House is pushing uh, I, um, a, a one-time 100 billion. That's what they're pushing right now. Like, they're, so they're, they're, Oh, yes, they're 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 going for the big the, the the jackpot here because they want to take it out of the election cycle. Keep going. Yeah, well, okay. But then you know, and that that just kind of kind of brings us neatly to you know Gardner in Chief Burrell in the EU saying you know well we need the Americans we we kind of um, we're basically pretty useless without America. You know we've got this great deal with them they pay for everything. You know, um, but I think all of this is starting to fall apart because even if it's one shot a hundred billion, that's nowhere near enough to to really take it very far. And um, well, the, the first 100 billion didn't go far. Didn't go very far, you know. But but I think the the voices of dissent in America are starting to bang their fists on the table and talk about some kind of accountability to this money because so far you've got no auditing, no auditing at all. How do you do that? How do you how do you take taxpayers' money from America and send it to the most corrupt country in the world and just sit back and say, no, nah, we don't need auditing. Auditing's a bit of a pain in the ass, you know, it'll take time and and who knows what we might find. You know, now just, just I did you know, a, but there's this whole history of impunity, George. I mean, Israel gets three billion dollars in military aid every single year really? from the United well, States. Okay. Isn't it six? That's right. That's yeah. It, it gets, uh, with, well, it's with Egypt, isn't it? It's, it's, I mean, no, it's, each one, I think, each one, I think, gets the same. I think they give the same amount to uh, each. But that's a very interesting issue because, of course, uh, and this was raised by Steve Bannon. And Bannon's a significant figure because he's very close to Trump. And he said, well, look at Israel. I mean, he's, of course, a strong supporter of Israel. Well, you know, where did this money go? I mean, we, we've been giving them all this aid for years and years and years, and they're just caught flat-footed. They're in, where's the, what happened to their intelligence? What happened to their in- incredibly powerful armed forces? And where did this money go? And then, you know, Bannon being Bannon, they raised the question, you know, Bibi Netanyahu was the first leader in the world who recognized Biden's election victory in 2020. And after all Trump had done for him with, you know, the Abraham Accords, you know, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, recognizing the annexation of the Golan Heights, stopping the aid to the Palestinians. And after all that, Netanyahu recognized um, Biden immediately. 
you know, that's something that's uh, that's playing in the mind. You know, Trump, you know, again, he's, of course, pro-Israel and so on, but that's not something he's forgotten. So that's a problem for uh, for for Israel. You know, when you've got people who, who, who you can count on as being your fervent advocates are, are going to start asking, where did this money go? I mean, what have you been doing all this time? You know, you, you, you know you're not able to deal with this ragtag bunch of, um, you know, you know, brigands. Um, so, yeah, but so I mean, but I mean, there's a lot of cynicism in the in this politics here in the Middle East, Martin. I mean, Netanyahu, this is a boom for him. Okay, investigations into him will probably drop. They'll probably get this ridiculous judicial reform through, um, uh, and they'll get going to be able to kill a whole lot of Palestinians. I mean, that's exactly what Netanyahu is all about. You could, put, you could look at it that way. You could say, yeah, this is exactly what he's been dreaming of, you know. And I think he will usher in. Uh, a much, much more stringent totalitarian oh, yeah. regime. You know, all any remaining traces of personal liberties, of course, can be wiped out because he can justify that by saying, well, no, we're in a war now. So, you know, we've got to just, are there any journalists out there who are kind of critical of me? You know, we'll get rid of those. You know, we can't have any dissenting voices, no, no opposing narratives. You know, we're in a war zone now. All personal liberties will be crunched down. But George made the interesting point. He said, well, if, if, if even um, you can't trust Netanyahu, even when when he did so much for for, for Trump, you know, um, I think perhaps the people of Israel will be asking the same question: Can we trust Netanyahu now? Because you're this great leader, you're the one who oversees the intelligence community. You know, you didn't see this coming. The cynical journalism journalist in me says, just hold your horses a little bit and wait for a few days and a few weeks for some leaks to come out of the intelligence community. Will people call me a conspiracy theorist for saying perhaps Netanyahu did know it was coming? Well, I didn't say you did, but I was leading you there. Okay? I mean, I'm not cynical about it. George, what do you think about that? Well, that's a possibility. We'll have to see... Um how Netanyahu responds. I mean, if he does indeed seize this as an opportunity, great. Now well, we can just simply yeah, rid of people, you know, all, all of the, you know, and this this is it. This is the excuse we've been looking for. You know, then we'll say he knew about this. Um, uh, I mean, at least it, it would give him a certain credibility. It's a lot better than the alternative, but he's just so, so totally incompetent. Uh, he didn't well, know what was going George, on in his own backyard. Let's remember, he, Netanyahu has invoked Pearl Harbor. Yeah. The decision to destroy uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki was based on, well, we were attacked at Pearl that's Harbor. Right. Well, that's right. And, and I think, look, I mean, most people would accept FDR knew that this attack was coming. I mean, then basically he was waiting for it as a way to get in, into World War II. So, you know, it could well be that uh, Netanyahu just sat on his hands. But, you know, <laughs> there's also an alternative, which is they are incompetent. Uh, you know, they were incompetent back in 73. They were caught flat-footed. Uh, you know, they were celebrating on Yom Kippur and, uh, you know, not realizing this, this, uh, the attack. But again, and, and it's they, also they, the, the incompetence of the Americans. What were the Americans doing? I mean, didn't they know that something like this was coming? Well, and they uh, they left uh, Lebanon with their tail between their legs. So, all right, gentlemen, we'll see where it goes. We'll probably be talking about it when we convene next week. Uh, that's all the time we have. I want to thank my guests in Marrakesh and Budapest, and I want to thank our viewers for watching us here at RTC. And next time, remember, Crosstalk Rules. Mm -hmm.